Uh, I always feel like whenever I preach, I need to uh, share a little bit about myself. And one of the things that today that I wanted to let you know is that I'm an Olympic junkie. Any other people, Olympic junkies out here? I mean, huge Olympic fans. Yes, yes, excellent. So I'm amongst my people. That's nice. Um, it's true. I love the Olympics. I, I love them for a lot of different reasons. One, it doesn't matter if you're a Packers fan or a Steelers fan. Come uh, Olympic time, you're cheering for the USA, you know? And then if you have, like, if your lineage goes back to, I don't know, let's say a great uh, country like Mexico, you know, you're like, Viva Mayo! You know, you cheer for your lineage as well. Or, you know, the athletes, the stories that you hear, you know, they'll bring you to tears. I don't care who you are. They're, you know, you're going to be out there crying about them and, and you're cheering them on. And, and the thing about the Olympics is these athletes, they're, they're the top of their game, but they're amateurs, mostly. You know, there are a few sports we now let pros in and... That's a whole other story. But uh, I love the Olympics. We even had an Olympic party in the last Winter Olympics at my house. It was for Olympic junkies only. You had to be an Olympic junkie, and here's why. If you are a big fan of, like, a TV show, let's say maybe Grey's Anatomy, Glee, or something like that, and, you know, you're having a big party because it's the season finale, and you invite someone who doesn't watch the show normally, what do they do? Talk. Exactly. They talk. You're like, will you shut up? You know, or they ask questions, and you're like, you know, so you had to be an Olympic junkie to come to our party, and we had uh, themed food. It was really neat. We had people who brought, like, a fondue, and each of the things you dipped were the colors of the Olympic rings. Uh, someone had a red velvet cake because it was in Canada, right? And it was a lot of fun, and we had a great time. And so in 543 days, we'll be having another one. Um, like I said, I'm an Olympic junkie. That's how many more days until the next Olympics open, and they're uh, Olympic junkies. Where's the next Summer Olympics? London. Right on. Oh, wait, you're at Asbury, so you guys are thinking, all right, get to go get paid and work. Um, they are in London, and then 1,103 days from now, from today, is the next Winter Olympics, and they're going to be in Russia. So mark your calendars now. If you want to come to the Olympic Junkie Party, you can send me an email. But uh, it's true. I, I truly love the Olympics. And this last Winter Olympics were in Vancouver, and it was funny because, you know, it's in Canada, and you would expect there to be snow, and there wasn't snow, and that was a whole fun debacle. They had to truck in the snow. And, but one of the events at the Olympics this year that w- tickets were extremely hard to get, and they were one of the most expensive, was men's halfpipe. You know, these guys, they're coming in, and they come, and they hit the deck, and they, whew, and, you know, they do all these twists and turns and back down, whew, and it's, it's, it's awesome to watch. Now, growing up in San Diego, I had friends who would snowboard once it started out, because snowboarders, I don't know if you know this, snowboarders are just surfers on ice. That's how it started. And I have friends that surf growing up. I, you know, I surfed once. It wasn't for me. It was too cold and, so, and too early to get up. I'm like, really? You're doing this just to ride a wave? No thanks. I'll stay in bed. But I had friends who do. I had one guy in school. He went and he surfed so much. He's now a true pro. That's, he gets paid to surf all day long. Pretty nice. And he's number two in the, in the nation. He's always posting on Facebook you know, and longboard. And, and, so, you know, and, and they have one theme in surfing. Go big or go home. And they live by that theme. I mean, they are out there, and they're going to go big or they're going to go home. And we are talking about going big or going home today. But in the last Olympics, there was a gentleman, Sean White. Anyone heard of Sean White? Yes, the flying tomato, right? He is the snowboarder of all snowboarders. They call him the flying tomato because he has red hair, and he, he gets such air off of the half pipe. It's amazing. The flying tomato comes in, and everyone knows he's the shoe-in for the gold, more than likely. Well, he does his first round because they get two rounds on the uh, uh, gold run. First round, he hits like a 46.8. It's a phenomenal score out of 50. Everyone knows that score is not going to be beat more than likely. And sure enough, it does. No one beats it at all. 
And so he's up there getting ready to do his next run. The thing about Sean was that he had worked on this trick called the double McTwist. He wanted it deemed the tomahawk, but you know how things work. That's what they call it. They, his uh, sponsor, Red Bull, even flew him to a private area out in the Alps where they had made a half pipe. And it was only, you can only go by private helicopter to practice his double McTwist and learn how to do it because they wanted it to debut and on the Olympics. And on the first run, he tried. He tried to hit the double McTwist, didn't have enough speed, so he just did the normal McTwist. You know, <laughs> nice, please. All right, so he's sitting up there on the top getting ready. He knows he has the gold in the bag. No one beat him, and so he has an option. Do I go big or do I go home? And I'm glad you asked what he did because I actually have video here, and we're going to watch it. All right, there you go. Now, you probably couldn't see it, but you can YouTube it. He pulls it off. Now, the double McTwist, what it is, he's doing uh, 1,260 degrees this way, turning that board while flipping. So think of a, a little gyroscope thing. You're like, I can't, you know. Other guys have tried it, and they've broken their neck. You know, it's crazy. And he pulls it off on the last run. He went big or he went home. And, you know, that was in two, at the Olympics at 2010. So, you know, I remember that day watching it going, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. Pulls it off even though he didn't have to. And so in 2011, I really feel like that's what God is pushing me for. Isaiah, what are you going to go big or go home in? What, what are you willing to, to go all out, even if you know you already have it in the bag? Where are you going to go big or go home? How's this going to work in your life? And that's a scary proposition if you think about it, because there's a lot of things that, that I'm, I'm trying, and I know a lot of you are trying, and I'm thinking, man, Go big or go home. Are you sure, God? Because that's scary. But uh, before we begin, let's turn to a verse here. Let's read. Um, this is, uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Or if you're following on Version Live right now, it's already there for you. Very first uh, slide there. Um, Mark 2, 1 through 12. Now, this story uh, came to me in my small group. And I was like, oh, man, that fits so well with this. Uh, my small group is studying community. And so we're, uh, we were talking about this and how this works with community, but I'll read it here. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say to the the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. A.K.A. go big or go home. Right there. I think Jesus went big. And then the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We have never seen anything like this before. Now when I read this, I have extra dialogue going on in my head. And all the uh, friends there, I view them as surfers. I could just see them sitting there with the, their friend. And now, you know, that you can study that whole thing there, that you know, a paralyzed man actually had friends. You know, much like today, if you're not normal, you don't have, 
people aren't typically flocking to you. They're running away. So the fact he had four friends who were willing to carry him somewhere, you know, and I could just see him like, dude, hear Jesus in town? Yeah, I want to be righteous. Go check him out. Yeah, let's go see him. And so, you know, I bet he'll heal you. And they go, and, and, you know, it's crowded, and they can't even get in the door. And I don't know about you, but I would sit there and be like, well, we came, we saw. Sorry, we're not going to conquer today. Crowd's too big. Let's go home. But no, in normal surfer tones, I see him standing there and going, dude, guess what? You think what I'm thinking? Yeah, let's do it. Come on. And they run up, and they start tearing through the roof. Which it amazes me that Jesus doesn't say anything because, you know, I could see them tearing through and then one of them picking their head, poking their head through going, Jay, man, there you're at, dude, man, I'm coming to see you, got the boy right here. You know, Jesus is like, Jay, man, oh, me, yeah, what's up? Uh, making a hole in the roof, you know, and uh, he doesn't pause and that's a whole other thing that amazes me. Why didn't he go, um, excuse me, uh, this isn't my house and you're tearing up that roof. Uh, you guys mind stopping that, come back or get in line, or if it's that important, we can make way. No, he lets them tear the roof up, you know, tears it up so they can lower them down. And then he says what? He saw their faith and forgave his sins. Now, if you really want to do an inductive Bible study, there you, you can, that's a good one to go on to. And so the religious leaders are like, you know, you can't, you can't forgive sins. And Jesus said, oh, I can't? Okay. Well, watch this. I'll go big or go home. Get up. See you later. And the guy's healed. And so, you know, I read this and I'm like, man, these guys had it. They understood what it meant to go big. Because I don't know about you, but have you ever had times in your life where you're trying to break through something and you keep just coming against it and you're like, I can't get through this. I can't get through that. And I'm trying this and I'm trying that. And I think God is at times telling me, Isaiah, you keep going through here, but what, why try to go through the crowd? Maybe there's a roof you can go through instead. Maybe you could go big or just go home. And see, I am doing just like you guys. I'm reading that a lot of you are trying new things. A lot of you are, are studying your Bible. You're trying to read through it in a year. Some of you are tithing more than you've ever gave to God before. And, and I'm, tr- I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, last year I didn't read the Bible through in a year. I didn't, and now I have a consequence. Unlike any of, most of you, I have to go watch youth eat at one of my favorite restaurants and pay for the meal. Talk about humility. Oh, that's going to be hard. That's why I haven't scheduled a date for it yet. But, you know, and so I'm not going to let that happen. So I've been reading it and studying my word and, and, and really trying to spend time with God. And then I don't know about you, but for me, then this happens. See, I start reading and praying, and then I get what I call righteous pride. See, I spend 30 minutes a day with God, and I do it every day. And all of a sudden, that chest starts getting out there like this. I'm like, yeah, 30 days, 30 minutes a day with God. Look at me. Ooh, I might even go 40 next week. How about that, God? And I start getting prideful with God. And now, I just want to give you some numbers, because I think this is great. And then, and then we'll talk about it. If I gave God just 30 minutes a day, that's only 182 hours out of the year. Now, there's 8,760 hours that I could technically give to God. But if I only do 30 minutes a day, all of a sudden, that pride just shrivels away. Like, oh, okay, maybe not. But see, my view of God is wrong. What I'm viewing is, and another thing I love is musicals. Anyone else here like musicals? I know Karen does because we talk about musicals all the time. Yeah, musicals. There's a musical called Oliver. And there's the famous, everyone probably knows this one, you know, and Oliver sits there and goes, what? Please, sir. I want some more. And then the Baron says, what? More? And he goes, yes, I want some more. You can't have more. You know, anyways. um, And then they go into a song and dance like everyone should in life. And so, um, but, you know, I view God that way. 
I view God as, as, as this person who's sitting there going, please, Isaiah, can I have some more? Can I have a little more of your time? Can I have a little more of your money? You know, can, can I have another $100? I, I've got some missionaries I want to send. I've got some stuff I want to do in the local church. Can I have some more? Can I have a little more of this? And, and, and I start reading scripture. And if you have your Bibles, let's look at this scripture because this, uh, this is what hit me in the head here real hard. Uh, Psalms 24, verse 1. The, Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all of its people belong to him. All of a sudden, God isn't the beggar. He owns it all. It's all his. All the money's his. All the time's his. He's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. He is the giver of life, the taker of life. He's the one that, that's here today. He was the one that was there during the hard times. He's the one that will be there in the future. See, it, it, he is everywhere. It's all his. And all of a sudden, I'm looking like I have enough righteous pride to tell him, okay, here you can have a little 30 minutes of my time. And God all of a sudden goes, oh, really? I own all your time. Thank you very much. You're going to give me 30 minutes? I think your view is wrong, Isaiah. I'm like, okay, it is. You're right. I'm sorry. And now some of you are probably sitting there thinking, well, Isaiah, that's good. But, you know, so now I went from not spending time with God to spending 10 minutes, and you're making me feel like dirt. You're saying I need to give God more. Thanks. No wonder why Max doesn't let you preach often. It's not like that. God is a benevolent, loving father. See, I have two boys, and they have this wonderful ability of tearing up the house in a matter of seconds. Some of you have the same. It's their superpower. It is. My wife's, one of her love languages is service, and so I do try to pick up. And so I'll go and pick up the living room, and then I'll go pick up the dining room, and then I'll go pick up the kitchen, because my house is a circle, and then I'll go and pick up the office a little bit, because that always stays a mess. And then I come back to the living room, and what? It doesn't look like I touched a thing. And that's usually the minute she walks through the door, right? <laughs> hey, honey, I'm home from work. Uh, honest. I've been cleaning. I've been working, you know. And, and, and then, you know, and the thing is, is not only is it a mess, it's probably, it's usually worse because they've strewn toys because I haven't been paying attention to them from their room to their thing. And so, you know, if they picked up, let's say they picked up just the living room. As a father, I'm happy. I'm proud. I'm thankful. I'm going to them saying, Good job, Will. That's great. But I don't stop there. I don't stop and say, you're done. You, meet, you made it. No, I, I, then t- what? I encourage them to do more. I encourage them to say, okay, now we've picked up the living room. Let's pick up this trail of toys all the way to your bedrooms. Okay, now once that's picked up, let's pick up the bedrooms. So, you know, so I, I want you to hear this. God is, is, is excited. He is. He's excited. If you went from not reading your Bible to reading it for 10 minutes a day, he is excited. But I really think he's wanting to push us to do something big this year, something big. You know, go big or go home. And I think it's not just generations. I think it's across this nation. I have another goal this year of a certain amount of sermons to listen to. It's a pretty audacious goal for me, and it's quite a few a week. And so I've been listening to a lot of sermons, which my aunt then dinged me the other day. She's like, don't you go to a church? I'm like, yeah. She goes, and you're listening to more sermons? I said, some of us need Jesus more than others. <laughs> and it takes more to get through our thick skulls. But I've been listening. And I mean, across the nation, I'm hearing the beginning uh, sermons for a lot of churches in January. And pastors across the nation are telling everyone, God is up to something big. 
God is on the move. There's something about 2011 that he is going to push his people to either go big or go home. And it's not your normal rhetoric. It's not the normal uh, January 1st sermon, first Sunday of the year. You know, oh, let's all start on a clean slate. Happy New Year. No, it is saying, watch out. God is on the move. He's going to go big or going to go home. And let's hope we're all going big with him. And I think that's what he is challenging us this year. To go big or go home. Um, there's things in our lives that I think we could do more. We could go big with him. You know, what, what would your life look like if you went big with your money this year? I mean, really big. And that's a different number for everyone. What if this year, instead of just 30 minutes of reading the Bible, you gave him an hour a day? Of course, that brings in a whole nother musical. Rent, 525000 Okay, sorry. Um, how will you spend a moment of your day? Uh, See, now i got Karen seeing it. It's bad. I love musicals. Um, but if you broke up your year into minutes, how are you going to spend every minute for God? Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time with your family. Maybe it's time with friends. But God is asking us to go big or go home. And I tell you what, I don't want to be standing on the top of the slope with God going, I, I've got the gold. Thanks. I'll go home. Because see what happens? That chest comes out again. God goes, really? I thought I own it all. Isn't it all mine? Yes, it is. So my challenge to you this week is to really pray, to really seek, where is God pushing you to go big or go home? He's pushing generations. I've been in elders meeting. I mean, these elders, they are going big or going home this year. It's scaring Max and me. It's, it's terrifying. The numbers that are coming out, we're in budget season. So we, you know, what do we budget? And it's terrifying what they're, they're saying. It's good. It's good stuff. They're hearing from God. They're praying. They're seeking. And it's a unanimous. We're going to go big or let's go home. Let's do something big for God or let's go home. A prime example of going big or going home is generations. I don't know how many of you know this, but generations, when we started, there were 25 people here. 26, if you counted, uh, about halfway through, uh, we knew, Rebecca and I knew uh, we were pregnant, so Will was, you know, 26. Yes. We count every life here at generations, even if they're in utero. Uh, so, you know, so we were at 26 some days, um, and we used to not do anything but kid stuff. And people will ask me, really? Like nothing. Yeah. No preschool, no nursery, no G-town, no middle school, no youth group, no singing worship, no sermons. Some would say that could be a good or bad thing. But nothing. We did just kid stuff. That was it. We came in, we set up, we ran kid stuff from beginning to end, and then we packed up and went home. But we did that knowing how much time and effort it takes to run kids stuff. It takes a lot of time, energy, people. And we knew if we didn't start with that, if we didn't go big with that, we would never get kids stuff off the ground. We knew it wouldn't be a part of our culture. We can never dream of a day where we're not doing kids stuff every week during the school year. And believe it or not, there are churches who are doing that, who uh, have dropped that model. I mean, churches that have 14,000-plus members, multimillion-dollar stages, have dropped kid stuff to one Sunday-a-month experience because they can't get the help. They can't get the people to work it. The parents aren't connecting. They, you know, it's just, you know, people are shrugging it off. As a parent who has a child who watches kid stuff, who regularly, about once a month, will pick something up that happens in kid stuff and then ask me about it. Daddy, why do they do that? Daddy, why Max say that? Daddy, why you do that to Max? It's usually what happens. 
Maddie asked me again why I threw a pie in her father's face uh, this week. I said, because he likes pie. Um, that's what I told her. But, you know, imagine if, that, if he is only getting something once a month out of a, every four weeks. If we went to once a month, that means once a year my son gets something out of kid stuff. I lose that connection. No, we, we don't want that. And so we want, you know, we went big or went home. And so we have this great set and you guys are a part of that. You guys are a part of this community. You guys, you know, we were 25. We now regularly have 100 people here. That is awesome. I'm excited because you have chosen generations to be your family, to be your community. And of the 25, there's a handful that are, are, are still here. And that's a whole other sermon where we basically told God, here, you can take people, you know, they're your people. If you own it all, you can take them whenever you want. And he said, oh, really? Pulled out his pen. He goes, uh, uh, let's see, your main actor and kid stuff? Yeah. Yeah, Artie? Yep. All right, we're going to call him to Michigan. That other family that's helped you with all your kid areas? We're going to call them to Turkey. Check. Your uh, sound and technician people? We're going to call them to another church. Check. And it just went down the list. We were, we were like, uh, maybe we should quit praying that. But we said no. Because you know what? Not only did God call them and they are doing great things, but God called other people to rise up and have, has raised the bar. I love to tell Ryan this. I was actually the kid stuff director when we first started. And I tell him I was at a 2 out of 10. And I, I was a 2 out of 10 for this reason. One, we had kid stuff every week. Two, no one died. It's the only reason why I got two stars. And then Ryan came along. He's like, you know, I'm classically trained in theater. I love theater. You know, I dream theater and, you know, I sleep and eat theater. I'd love to. And he's raised the bar. You know, I say we're consistently at an eight now this year. And that's great. And, you know, Ryan's finishing up seminary. Who knows where he'll go? I'm still praying that God shuts all the doors for wherever he wants to go and keeps him here. I'm honest. I'm praying against him. Um, And I've done that before and I always lose. But, you know, someone else will rise up. So I got off track there. I'm sorry, but I'm just excited for what God has done at Generations as far as making us go big or go home. And in 2011, we're going to go big or we're going to go home. So this year, I want you to think about where you can go big so you don't just sit there and go home. All right, will you do that for me?